I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute, and if you are new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan, I'm your host, and on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from The Cut and my general pop culture musings, but I'm gonna be real upfront with you guys. We don't have a lot of Cut articles today. We're delving into some other areas, but we will get into that all in a second mundo, because first up, we have to talk about the most unholy, not cute couple of our current time. I had, all I have written in my notes is Skeet and Lucy Hale. I even have Hale spelled wrong. And Kenzie is sitting by me and she sees that top note and she's like, Skeet Ulrich and Lucy Hale are dating? She's like, he's not that cute. I mean, she starts going off faster than she could. She goes, he's in his 50s. He's, she's so much younger than him. Like, can't he just date someone his age? I mean, and he's not even that cute. And then like went back in the, you know, early 90s when he was on things. I mean, he played really disgusting characters. And I was like, you know what, Kenzie? Save it for the podcast because agreed, agreed, agreed. Literally, you spoke exactly what I was going to say. Skeet is 51. Lucy is 31. So we got a nice around 20 year difference yes <laughs> yes that's actually I'm 32 and my mom is 52 which I mean my mom is like bomb like I love my mom but you imagine <laughs> trying to date someone mom's age. yeah I mean it's a little freaky deaky I'm I don't like it and <laughs> I saw this comment being like oh my god Katie Keene and FP Jones <laughs> Which is just hilarious because I don't think anyone actually watched Katie Keene, but Katie Keene is in the Riverdale universe and Lucy Hale plays Katie Keene. And then Skeet Ulrich plays F.P. Jones, which is Jughead Jones Head in the Riverdale series. No, sorry, dad. (laughs) His dad. I was thinking Bughead, you know? So uh, he, I don't know, it's a very, you know, intercosmic Riverdale relationship. And you probably might know Lucy Hale better as being Arya in Pretty Little Liars. And Ski Ulrich was in a lot of like early 90s. He was in Scream, I would say most. So that was kind of like his most famous Scream role from back Scream. then. Yeah. And spoiler alert, he plays the serial killer in that. So that's why kids, he was like, his roles even suck. Well, and then he was in The Craft. He was in The uh, Craft. Yes. And he plays a terrible person in The Craft. Okay, Kenzie, very passionate about Ski Ulrich. We're moving on. We're moving on. (laughs) We watched uh, Pharaoh v. Allen, which is on HBO Max, if you had that. And it is the story of, you know, Mia Farrow, Woody Allen were famously together. They, Mia has shit tons of kids. She had 14 kids. And one of her children that she biologically had was Ronan Farrow. Is the one with Woody. That is supposedly with Woody. We've talked about that on here. I'm convinced it was Frank Sinatra who she was she was married to at one time. And it's interesting because in this documentary series, Ronan Farrow gives talking head interviews and Mia Farrow gives talking head interviews and she notoriously has been really quiet in the press ever since all the allegations against Woody Allen came out. And if you need a refresher, Woody Allen married one of Mia's adopted children and he was a father figure to her, Sunni, and they're still together to this day, but he, she was way his, you know, he, he was way her senior. He's 35 years old. 35 years older, but the creepy part is that she was Mia Farrow's adopted daughter and Mia Farrow goes over to Woody's house one day and sees pornographic 
naked pictures of Sunni and then had to go back to Sunni and be like, girl, we need to talk. And then on top of that, oh, why am I blanking on her name? Dylan Farrow, who is another adopted child of Mia, who Woody Allen took a liking to, she has alleged, and this originally came out years ago, that Woody Allen abused her sexually. And this documentary has interviews from Dylan. It's just so interesting if you have HBO Max. I've only watched the first episode. I'm not even sure if the second one's out yet, but very fascinating. And he's just so disgusting. Like I just remember when that news came out years ago, I want to say I was in law school when I realized the Dylan Farrow stuff. And I was just like, how is he still making movies? How is it Selena Gomez and Timmy Chalamet were just in a Woody Allen movie? Like I, I don't get it. I wanted to make a correction from last week because when I was originally talking about Machine Gun Kelly wearing Megan Fox's blood, I referred to Megan Fox as Angelina Jolie because obviously I had her on the mind because I was transitioning to how her and Billy Bob Thornton did a similar thing. So in case anyone was very confused by that story, I misspoke. Machine Gun Kelly and Angelina Jolie are not dating. He is dating Megan Fox and wearing Megan Fox's blood. (laughs) Just to clear that up. Uh, One of my friends wrote me, when I was talking about if there was TV shows that made you nostalgic for a time or just like make you think of a certain time when I was talking about how Fuller House brought me back to like being depressed in my early lawyer years, which I mean hasn't changed much, but you know. And uh, she wrote how she, after a breakup, watched the full seasons, like all of the tutors. And now she like can't even look at that that TV show anymore and I was just like honestly like getting to look at Jonathan how do you say his name Jonathan Rice Myers Reese Reese Myers and uh Henry Cavill's in that yeah so I'm like you know give yourself some eye candy um so I don't know if anyone else relates that and I actually say that because I just want you guys to talk to me more I feel sometimes like I'm just talking into an echo chamber of just my own thoughts. And I'm really not scary. I promise you can reach out to me. I know I know people listen to this. I can see the listens, guys. You don't have to be shy. Like, reach out. Tell me what you're thinking about. Tell me what you want me to talk about. You can follow my YouTube at Bailey Evan. You can follow me on Instagram at Bailey Evan or at Kinda Cute Podcast. You can DM me. You can email me. There's so many ways to get in touch with me. And I would love to hear from you. I also wanted to talk about last week how when we st- when we talked about the Grinch, like people wanting to have sex with the Grinch, I literally like lost my shit at the end of that. I don't know if it was obvious, but <laughs> Kenzie said bussy. And then I, I just like couldn't continue with my actual analytical thoughts about why people want to hook up with the Grinch. And I think that ship has sailed and there's no reason for me to talk about it now. But it really just derailed the rest of my podcast. Like I was talking about Fuller House and I was like wanting to segue from talking about the Olsen twins to talking about Elizabeth Olsen, who stars in WandaVision, which I really have been loving. And it was just like all of my thought process went out the window at the mention of a bussy. I apologize for my choice of words. So anyways, this is a long way of saying uh, watch WandaVision. I'm really into it. If you want to discuss that, I'm available. Like I said, we're going to start out with some non-cut articles. And the Martha Stewart Harper's Bazaar article was a request from Burge. So again, if you have something you want to talk about, get at me. But first up, we're going to talk about KJ Appa talks to Demi Moore about breaking free from Archie by Demi Moore herself. 
this felt fitting since we just talked about the Riverdale universe and uh, <laughs> Skeet Ulrich. So KJ Appa plays Archie in the Riverdale series. He's the redhead. You've probably seen him around even if you haven't seen Riverdale. And maybe you had a similar reaction when I just told you that Demi Moore was interviewing KJ because I read that and I was just like, why? I could not get my head around why, you know, Bruce Willis's ex-wife, mother of rumor, dater of Ashton Kutcher, not to trivialize her to those things. It's just, she's a badass. Like I, I say those as like badges of honor, you know? And I was like, what the hell is Demi doing interviewing KJ? She's just so above that. But apparently they were in a movie together called Songbird that was filmed at the beginning of, it was like one of the first things to be filmed while the pandemic was still happening. So I think it was pretty early on in it. And the article begins with these very up-close photos of KJ demolishing a piece of gum in his mouth and blowing bubbles while wearing a Balenciaga sweater, naturally. And it's just they're <laughs> the things he is doing to that gum. And then before the interview that Demi does, there's a lead in. And it says that KJ has risen to become one of the most identical faces and heads in Hollywood. I find this to be wildly debatable and laughable. And I'm pretty sure if I asked my dad who KJ Appa is, he would have no idea. And I use him to gauge these sort of things because he's notoriously face blind and oblivious, even though he likes to think he's like up with the culture. He, I, I almost want to call him and ask him if he knows who KJ Appa is. Should we do that? Can, like, yeah. Let's get him on the phone. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll keep you updated on what he says. <laughs> So they start out the interview and they're talking about filming during the pandemic and how they kind of felt like guinea pigs. And then KJ says, I felt so free coming from a show where I feel like I'm in jail a lot of the time. There are so many restrictions on what I can and can't do with this character. It was like, wow, this is what it's like to really express myself in a natural way. I wasn't covered in makeup or hair products. I had long hair and a beard. I just felt free. Okay, what is up with celebrities comparing things to jail? Did he not learn anything from Ellen when she compared, you know, staying inside during the pandemic in her multi-million dollar mansion to jail? I mean, it just comes off as a little tone deaf. I get the hell that is probably dyeing his hair orange and why they couldn't give this poor man a wig is beyond me yeah his hair grows really fast and his hair is like black yeah and you know what they did that same shit to ariana grande and she had to wear her hair and that tight ponytail from all that damage for so long because of that red hair they made her wear when she played cat on victorious so you know what hollywood can we stop doing that to these poor celebs who feel like they're in jail and you know he gets a little woe is me in this piece Because he's talking about basically how the fans get crazy. And he says he tries to look at it from a fan's perspective to understand the way they think. But then he says there's times where he's like, wow, they really have no idea that we are actual people. They can't separate us from our characters. And while I do sympathize, obviously, with celebrities and what comes with this kind of feverish fan culture that attaches to it. I'm kind of like, come on, KJ. You're also talking to Demi, who I'm like, do you think she's sympathetic to you? And 
to to answer my question from earlier, my dad promptly texted back and said, no, and neither does mom. And my mother is much more pop culture aware. So again, I think we're being a little generous in saying that KJ Appa is like the king of Hollywood. (laughs) But I do think it's interesting that he started Riverdale when he was only 18. I didn't know he was that young. He's two years younger than I am, I think. And he hadn't even had a drink yet, which I think is pretty adorable. So the favorite part of the article for me came at the end. And Demi says, what would you be afraid for me to know about you? And he says that even though I'm proud of the decisions I've made, I do struggle. Sometimes I find myself struggling to be alone with myself. And she says, that's a beautiful answer. If you really knew me, the real Demi, you would know that I'm afraid I'm not good enough. And KJ says, and what would you be afraid of me knowing? And she says that I like toys and oversized items. And KJ says, oh my God. (laughs) No, seriously, I have a collection of normal items that are oversized and I'm never without a toy of some kind in my purse. The reason is when I look at my purse and see weird miniature toy or stuffed animal, I remember not to take life too seriously. And then KJ says, if that's something that keeps a smile on your face, then that's fucking amazing. I mean, I'm a little irritated with this because she elaborates on like the toys in her purse and I get that and, you know, keeping things light, not taking things too seriously, but I need to know more about the oversized items. Like, is she talking about she goes to Costco and gets a big thing of cheese balls? Like, what what do you think she's referring to? Yeah, because I've heard of liking miniatures. Yeah, oversized stuff. I mean, she probably has a huge house so she can fit it all, but... I just, I don't get it. And at this point in the article, as it comes to a close, you're left with some chilling pictures of KJ. And particularly, it's one of him doing the Taylor Swift heart hands. She used to really be big doing that back in the day where she put her hands together in the shape of a heart. Except she would hold them up in the air, but KJ held his around his nipple with his shirt pulled pulled up. So that's the final picture of that article. The end. But speaking of Taylor Swift, I have to tell you guys about this story. You may have seen the headlines about this, Uh, this theme park, amusement park in Utah. It's called Evermore, and they sued Taylor Swift for trademark infringement over her most recent album that was obviously called Album Evermore. But now the company that handles the rights for her music and her trademarks filed a countersuit against the park. And they're saying, well, screw you guys because you're using Taylor Swift's music on the grounds without authorization or license agreement. So I just can't imagine being on Taylor Swift's legal team or dealing with her trademarks. I, I'm i scared to even look up her trademarks because you know you can publicly search trademarks. I bet the one, she holds so many. I don't even because, you know, she's very uh, aware and protective of her intellectual property. That's why she will notoriously go after like small shop owners who use her intellectual property. And I do understand it with someone like her because it becomes this really slippery slope where if you don't protect your intellectual property, you can lose it. And clearly her intellectual property is sort of the basis of everything she does. It's so carefully crafted. And I just think this is a total fuck you, though. They're like, you want to come at us and try to sue us like we will show you. And that seems to be how her team operates. So I don't even know why Evermore would would push this thing. But you guys, you have to look up this Evermore theme park. It's like a Ren Fair made into a theme park. 
And so the I mean, it would be in Utah. I feel like the poor little Mormons gotta have something. Kenzie like. just said that would be in Utah. So it's described as an immersive experience theme park in Pleasant Grove, Utah. And it doesn't have rides, but instead trained actors portray fantasy characters and they walk around and you interact with them. So it's like LARPing in real life. But look, it has 4.5 stars and out of 2048 Google reviews. I mean, the pictures look kind of cool. I'll give them that. I mean, it it looks like they have a lot of kind of cool like light shows and sculptures and stuff. And it looks like it must be pretty cool at Christmas because they have carolers and stuff like that. Uh I mean, I do kind of want to go now and I have to give it to Evermore. They would be better off. They would be better off just dropping their suit and and somehow settling or dropping the 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 suit, you know, settling so that the counter suit by Taylor can't succeed. Um, But. Yes, the theme is listed as medieval fantasy. They have a registered trademark on Evermore. So I actually get, or at least it's listed like that on their on their name. So I get why they were trying to protect their intellectual Did property they come as well. Disney though, because in Beauty and the Beast they have Dan Stevens sings Evermore, which is the that was like one of the other that was one of the new songs that Alan Menken made for the live action. Well, I think probably the difference was Disney didn't try to trademark that, whereas yeah. Taylor Swift was trying to trademark her album name. Um, anyways, I just thought that was a fun story. Let's get on to my favorite story of the day, though. And this is Martha Stewart is the original influencer by Jada. It's Y-U-A-N. And just as a reminder to you, Martha Stewart is 79 years old. Like she comes correct with that face, with the looks. Every picture in this in this article is so beautiful. Like I love the clothing. I love the jewelry. She's dripping in some Van Cleef. Stunning. Makeup blessed. And it opens with talking about how after the big blizzard, she got out there on her snowplow and was just plowing that snow. And she said, oh, I love to snowplow. I was out there actually for three hours before I realized it was three hours and I was semi-frozen to death, but it was fun. Honestly, I've never ridden a snowplow, but like that does sound kind of fun. Like, no? No, I think fun. <laughs> I mean, it's like who no one wants to shovel snow, but like a plow sounds kind of fun. <laughs> she also mentions that she sometimes runs into Ralph Lauren while they're both out horseback riding. And I mean, honestly, if I could think of my ideal situation, it wouldn't be running into Ralph Lauren, but it would be running into Martha Stewart while horseback riding. I have this fantasy of horseback riding on the beach. I was like, I need to roll back for a second. I was an aspiring horse girl as a young person. When I was five years old and I lived in England, I rode, you know, an English saddle. I had a crop. I had that cute little black hat. I had the pants. I had the boots. I mean, it was a luke, <laughs> right? I mean, I looked hella cute. You did. You looked like an equestrian. Yeah. And I loved riding horses. And it was a very short-lived hobby because um, horseback riding is a bougie, expensive, uh, you know, pastime. And I did that with my grandparents and my parents were poor. So, like, it wasn't happening for me. But to this day, I've asked for, like, so many years on my birthday to go horseback riding on the beach. And it's all I want. And I still, I know it'll happen for me eventually. But this just really took me into that fantasy land of, like, just me, like a bareback, gallivanting through a field and running into Martha's story. And, you know, 
in some reality, I think that could happen for me. Unfortunately, Martha is 79, so I'm really going to have to manifest some shit quick she's because not. I don't have many years. Unless, you know, knowing her, she's Martha, probably, she's looking, she's looking really good. And I wouldn't pass put it past her to be getting like cutting edge stem cell injections to like keep the cells young. So I'm hopeful. But I am so even more delighted. Like, I thought that was going to be the high point of this article. But guys, it gets so much better. The next part is my favorite because apparently Tiffany and Haddish and Martha talk on the reg. Tiffany Haddish is a very famous comedian. She became really, I think, like kind of breakout when she was on Girls Trip with Jada Pinkett and Queen Latifah, right? Yeah. This is what Tiffany says. I love me some Martha. She smoke weed, drink wine, and speak her truth. And Tiffany says that she grew up watching Stuart on TV with her grandmother and that she met her a few years ago and she promptly asked her what it was like in jail, which I love when people just come out of the gate like that, hit them up with the hard hitting questions right away, because honestly, like that's what I would want to know too. But as Martha, she says later on in this article, she doesn't actually really like talking about her experience in jail while she is thankful for the strength it gave her and kind of it was almost just sort of a block to things that came afterwards, but she doesn't love talking about the actual experience. So knowing that if I do run into her on horseback, I won't ask her. So don't worry, Kenzie. So apparently Haddish emails her for advice on everything from day trips and gardening to how to create generational wealth. And guys, this is a tie in because her advice is to trademark your name. So anyone out there, get your dough. I haven't, but I do own Bailey Evan and Bailey4.com. So, That's good. Um, and then for negotiating a deal, Martha's advice was be prepared to white, walk away. And Tiffany says, like, I know visually she's a white woman, but she's just a woman who has a lot of life experience and she's not stingy with her knowledge. And I actually think Martha not being stingy with her knowledge is sort of why she is the original influencer and how she created this empire that she has. It was because back in the day, she was telling everyone how to do things and make them pretty and make them nice. And she shared her knowledge at a time when it was sort of pre-internet, pre-sharing of what is going on in your brain. Like it's so normal now to do that. But back then, I think it was... Being bloggy? Yeah, it was like being a blogger before blogging existed. Um, but apparently Martha does not smoke weed, even though that is a perception that people have because she's close friends with Snoop Dogg and Snoop inspired her to make her CBD line. And he actually set her up with a Canadian company that she partnered with for it. Now, this next part, guys, we're getting into an area of this article where there is a lot to unpack. So Martha thought she was going to become an architect. But then with her father-in-law's encouragement, she spent seven years as a stockbroker on Wall Street. And she was the only woman at her firm. She was surrounded by men under the age of 30. And she says, we were the real thing. You saw the movie Wall Street? I lived it. I mean, every man on Wall Street was trying to get you. Every man was trying to touch you in the cab. We had martinis for lunch. I know she mentions Wall Street, but I immediately was like wolf of Wall Street and just imagine like people trying to do cocaine off of Martha's booty. And I know she wouldn't let that fly, but the image definitely popped in for a second. And she says that one broker she knew locked women in his apartment for kinky reasons. 
Apparently, that is like the Kim Bassinger erotic thriller, Nine and a Half Weeks. I can't say I've seen that one. And she says, I was a modest girl. I did not fuck around, if you want to use that word. I mean, good to know. I have to say, again, I was kind of curious because Martha was also a model. And not to say models fuck around, but I'm sure she, you know, she obviously had the option. And then she says to the interviewer, do you remember Hot Pants? And the author says, sort of. And she says, you're too young. You don't know anything. (laughs) She then explains them as little tiny shorts where you see plenty of leg and a little bit of your butt. And then she goes on to say she had two pairs, one in velvet. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They were both velvet. One was dark brown. One was a peachy shade. And she'd wear it with an alligator belt and a tight sweater tucked in. And she says, I looked great in them. We would sit with our feet up on our desks and I had high heeled shoes on our boots. And that's what we wore to work. I mean, that fucking image. Guys, like, don't these images just keep getting better? I, like, want to recreate that. I'm in no way putting hot pants on my body ever. Not a look for me. But, like, love this. Love this for Martha. And she also mentioned that she's known almost every single one of the famous guys that have been accused in the Me Too movement. And she says, some were certainly guilty of a lot what was accused, but some were, it's just their awful personalities. And I was like, that's an interesting statement. Like, is she saying they weren't guilty of abuse, but they were just awful people? Or is she saying they were guilty of it and they are also awful people? I don't know. That statement, I was like, I kind of want her to unpack that a little bit. But anyways, she eventually quits her Wall Street job and she starts catering. And she describes that as the hardest job ever. And I can see why catering would be so hard, like thinking of that. I mean, imagine just trying to make a dinner party. Like that's too much for me to handle. And Kenzie and I were talking about how in shows, everyone is having dinner parties. And I know that is a thing because I read about it in magazines and stuff. But like as someone who I feel like throwing a dinner party would be right up my alley, I've never done it. Mine usually involve a shit ton of tequila and, you know, a past app, except the app aren't past they're just on my kitchen counter (laughs) like accurate um and then it mentions that her husband remarried and it was actually to someone who worked as her consultant worked as Martha's consultant I was like oh that's shady like she swooped in and took that husband and then this part guys this also blew my mind so she launched a line of towels and linens with Kmart and She did that back in 1997, and apparently it was controversial, got her disinvited from a Connecticut country club, and she says it was because she was too down market. I mean, the audacity, uninviting Martha Stewart from your country club because she has a line with Kmart, which is, I mean, at the time was like a powerhouse on Walmart's level in my mind. I don't know. And it's so class, so awful. So then Snoop pivoting to Sir, you know, past with jail and insider training. Uh, Snoop wrote on his Instagram, as we watched Takashi 69 or whatever his name is, snitch on everybody. I invite you all to remember Martha Stewart snitched on not one soul during her trial. Baby Curl kept it 10 doles down and ate that prison sentence by herself like the true baddie she is. He then concluded with a caption reading, that's my MF homegirl, solid as a rock, ROCC. I mean, I 
also love Snoop Dogg. That's like one of my favorite. I've seen that <laughs> that caption so many times. That's one of my favorite captions. It's amazing. We love a supportive friend. And I love that he is fine that she doesn't, you know, smoke the weed. He's fine with her just dabbling in the CBD. He's not trying to press anything on her. And then near the end of the article, she says, my only big regret that I can talk about is that Saturday Night Live asked me to host. My probation officer wouldn't give me the time. That really pissed me off because I would have loved to have hosted Saturday Night Live. I'd love that on my resume. And if Martha doesn't host this season, guys, I will be so pissed. Like Lauren Michaels, you are doing everything absolutely wrong if you don't get Martha Stewart to host. The article reminded me that Martha Stewart participated in the roast of Justin Bieber. Like if she can do that, she can host SNL. I have complete faith. I know she can be a little rigid, but I mean, she's talking about her freaking hot pants and her, her boots up on the desk. The girl can host Saturday Night Live. Okay, so Lauren, if you're listening, please give her the chance. I told you guys, I know I've said on here that one time where I was at like drinking margaritas at Molly's in my college town and Lauren Michaels walked past and I stood up, put my face against the window. I was like, it's Lauren Michaels. I mean, obviously couldn't hear me. And he was there because his kid was like a year behind me in school. But I mean, I, I, I don't even know what I would have said to him, but I was like panting out that window like a dog. Anyways, (laughs) moving on the next, the first (laughs) guys, can I, can I be up front for a second? I, Uh, usually have a glass of wine or two before and during hosting this podcast. I have had a inner reckoning as of late where I've just decided I really want to start drinking less and I really never again in my life want to binge drink. And that to me is more than four drinks. I ideally don't want to have more than two drinks and I never want to have four drinks again. We'll see how long that stands. But I was realizing that it was just really affecting my mental health for a few days after when I would binge drink, like it was just this really bad cycle. And it wasn't like I was doing it all the time, but I was like, it's just not worth really ever doing it unless I'm really celebrating. If I get Martha Stewart on this podcast, let's go, let's go boo boo. I will have 10 drinks. But until that day, I just don't think it's necessary. So I am actually recording this podcast completely sober. And yet I still seem to be struggling with my words. I keep misstating stuff things keep being on the tip of my brain. So I don't know, maybe the glass of wine really does help with the inhibitions and helps me have a a lubricated mouth, a flow. Ew, I can't believe I said lubricated mouth. I'm never saying that again. Okay. So this, my dears, is the first cut article of the day. Sweetie on Wigs, the early thousands and personal style by Daniel James. And it starts off by saying that both Her music and her style, Sweetie, has become known for an uncanny ability to make nostalgia feel modern. In her songs, that means laying verses over early 2000 beats like Kia's My Neck, My Back and Two Shorts, Blow the Whistle. I mean, My Neck, My Back really defined being in college in like the 2011 era. The 2000, well, no, 2007. Like I you couldn't put that song on and not have every girl in the room singing those raunchy ass lyrics. Let's put a little clip right here. Okay. 
And it goes on to talk about the fashion in the song Best Friend with Doja Cat. And guys, if you have not watched that music video yet, I think it might be my new best, most favorite music video. It starts out with this guy like kind of mansplaining to Doja and Sweetie and simultaneously hitting on them. And it's showing their internal monologue. And they're just like, okay, this guy is so misogynistic. Like, get him away from me. I just want to hang out with my best friend. And then it goes on to them having the most insane fashion changes, the best nails, the best wigs, It is flawless from top to bottom. And even better than that, it is a song about female friendship and gassing up your female friends. And we don't have enough of that. Every time there is a good friendship song, I'm like, why are they not just pumping these out? They're amazing. She had two, three drinks. Now she twerking. She throw it out and come back in. That's my best friend. She a real bad bitch. Drive her own car. She don't need no. I loved it because Sweetie says she was partly inspired by the viral TikTok video where a man says, I ain't ever seen two pretty best friends. It's always one of them got to be ugly. I ain't never seen two pretty best friends. It's always one of them got to be ugly. So people then were using the sound and showing themselves with their beautiful best friends. And this is so false. And this is a technique that people use on TikTok. Men especially where they'll be like, oh, I've never seen like a hot this or that and I think it's just a ploy so they can get all these hot girls like duetting their sound and making it blow up and it's yeah. it's not because they actually think that but dropping a, a dish I don't know how to do dishes yeah <laughs> and she says she wanted to challenge the notion that female friendship is always marred by rivalry I think it's important to show girls how we can have fun and uplift one another because there's no girl code and we need to start creating one she says and I just I just loved it. And then she talks about her favorite one being, she says, I love a baldy bad bitch. And she's not actually bald, but she has like a pretty close like buzz cut in that one scene. And it's multicolored. It looks really cool. And she says, I've always wanted to cut all my hair off. I wanted to see what it looked like. I feel like when there's a pattern in something, I say, what can sweetie do different? Really, it all depends on her moods, she says. I stress my hairstyles out because the night before I'll give what I want. And in the morning, I'll be in a different mood. It really just comes down to how I'm feeling. And this reminded me of when we were talking about Britney Spears and Tiffany Haddish and like the freedom and having a bald head and I was just like oh interesting another person's giving that perspective on it okay our last cut article of the day wait is Mr. Potato head going gender neutral or not by Amanda Arnold I had to include this just because it's absurd not the fact that Mr. Potato head was potentially going gender neutral just the course that this story took and I loved the start of this article. Amanda Arnold is one of my favorite cut art writers, I think. I, Her and Sanjita, they're my girls. She says, any day you decide to spend online, you're putting yourself at a risk of becoming absorbed in some unhinged niche drama that will go on to occupy precious space in your brain and distract you from your actual responsibilities. Like, I literally want to put that on merch for Kind of Cute and just say Kind of Cute will put you at risk of being absorbed in unhinged niche drama, yada, 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 like keep going. Like, I think that's that's exactly what I want this podcast to do for you. So what happened was there was this interview with Fast Company and a Hasbro exec who works on the Potato Head brand. She said, quote, culture has evolved. Kids want to be able to represent their own experiences the way the brand currently exists with the Mr. and Mrs. is limiting when it comes to both gender identity and family structure. Now, of course, 
a lot of people were up in arms about this and were just like, we can't have anything. And is it not going to be Hasbro anymore? Is it going to have to be Has-Sis? And like (laughs) just throwing like an absolute fit. And then all of a sudden Hasbro tweets on on Twitter (laughs) Your main spud, Mr. Potato Head, isn't going anywhere. While it was announced today that the Potato Head brand name and logo are dropping the Mr., I am proud to confirm that Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head aren't going anywhere and will remain Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. So I don't know if this was a miscommunication or they realized that people were wrongly getting up in arms about a gender neutral Mr. Potato Head. And they're like, well, let's not be so hasty. Like, you know, it's just the overall brand. Like we're still going to have Mr. and Mrs. I, it's so absurd. I don't know. I hate it. I hate it here. (laughs) Guys. It's a potato. It's a potato. (laughs) On to our deep cut. We're mixing it up a little bit today. Instead of doing a cut article, I came across this MTV new staff article that was actually current. It was just released today, I believe, but it is speaking about something that is so near and dear to my heart and is in fact a deep cut that I just couldn't not talk about it. So this article is called An Oral History of the 18s, the ABBA cover band that defined Y2K pop. They went global with teen spirit, toured with Britney Spears, and then dot 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 silence 20 years later the swedish foursome explained what really happened and this is by the mtv news staff first i have to say i completely forgot that they toured with britney Mm -hmm. and i wanted to talk about both of our deep love of 18s so what was our age at the time quickly with teen spirit or with 18s okay like in 98 we were 10 and 4 Okay, but you remember, what's your first memory of 18s? The ABBA generation, which was their first, the which first it was their first album, what that was their cover, that was their cover. And honestly, I know the ABBA songs because I listened to the 18s and I remember the 18s before honestly like remembering ABBA. Yeah, and this is fascinating because I saw a comment in a Facebook group saying that they did not realize that 18s started out as an ABBA cover band because a lot of people were first exposed to them with Teen Spirit. Oh. Damn, we were really the OGs then because we would listen to it on our CD players. Like, I I will say I love Super Trooper, but the 18s, the 18s is the superior version of Super Trooper. Oh, hot take. I like, I will say I can give ABBA with all the others. I can give ABBA all of the others. Super Trooper, 18s took it. 18s took it. They actually talked about recording Super Trooper because I think that was one of the first ones they did. And they said they their technique was kind of to sing things in a more like aggressive manner. And just the sped up pop nature of nature of it. It's the fact that it's so much faster. It's like it's like twice as fast and it's so much better. Okay, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because we should have should have said that this started with a competition in Sweden these producers went to a school, they plucked four kids kind of out of obscurity and formed them into a group and had them sing ABBA cover songs. And then 18s went on to record Teen Spirit, which became a total crossover hit and got them a lot of attention in the US. But again, for some reason, we were very aware of them when um, the ABBA cover yeah, CD yeah. came out. We had the ABBA CD before we had, like, the ABBA CD came out and we had that and then we bought Teen Spirit. 
And it's also interesting because originally they were called Abateens, but the ABBA's record company was like, oh, hell no, you're not using the name ABBA. We've been talking a lot, a lot of trademark issues today. Uh, clearly a very relevant thing in the music world. So they changed the name to A-teens. And one of the members in this interview, he's like, I thought it was cool because the A is the top grade in America. So I was just like, yeah, A-teens. <laughs> um, so this article goes on to explain that they toured the globe. They were mainstays on Radio Disney. Oh, I miss Radio Disney. They toured with Baja Men and Aaron Carter. Okay, two, two of the other biggest names of the early 2000s. Who let the dogs out? Who? 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 When you make it to Rugrats in Paris, like the Nickelodeon Rugrats in Paris, Baja Men and Aaron Carter were both on that CD. That's when you really made it. That's when you really made it. And then 18s did Can't Help Fall in Love for Lilo and Stitch. Yes. Uh, so MTV actually was able to interview all of the members of the group on Zoom and some of the creative team that shaped them into the group that they are. Now, the first thing that struck me was they were only, their names are Amit, Sarah, Donnie, and Marie. They were 14 and 15 years old at the time. And I'm sorry, doesn't that shit blow your mind? Because I thought they seemed so mature. Well, I will say... In Teen Spirit and then in their later albums, yes. But if you watch the ABBA generation and like the music videos that they did for like Mamma Mia, Super Trooper, things like that, they look really young. I think though it's just when I was only 10 at the time, in my mind, 14 and 15 year olds were so much older. So much older. Yeah. They are, old. they are significantly older than me, but it yeah. is funny to watch it now as an adult. Like, it's like, oh, actually, like, you do look young. And they, they actually did a good job of, and once they got 18, I think they finally made them a little, like, and they all went through puberty. They're like, yeah, we can make you look a little nicer. But they didn't, they didn't like, sexualize them when they were in 18s, which was good. Right. So they also said they did a song with Savan Kotecha, and they say it's one of the most talented writers I've ever met. And then in brackets, it says who went on to work with Ariana Grande. Now, this part blew my mind that they said Ariana Grande and not One Direction because Savan Kotecha made One Direction what it is. Yeah. He is Max Martin level of pop songs. He can make a song that will make a person swoon. Even a simplistic lyrics, he just can make it happen. Oh, he is amazing. Um, we talked about that. It was called like Eurovision, the story of fire saga, that Netflix, that Netflix movie. It has like Rachel McAdams and Will Ferrell. And it's like about Eurovision, but it's so funny because we were listening to the pop songs and we're literally like, and I, I like Bailey and I are looking at each other. I'm like, this sounds like one the One Direction writers, and sure, uh, uh, yeah, I can't say sure. Sure enough, Savan Kotecha wrote a bunch of the songs for that song, for that movie. Yeah, he's the best. I loved the story they shared about Britney, and one of them said it wasn't that she didn't want to hang out with us. It was that there was physically no time. The way they worked her was insane. And one time they were they had a day off, and they were walking around, and they saw people taking pictures, and then. Brittany came into the store, saw them, and she said, 18s. And they were like, Brittany fucking recognizes us. This is amazing. So I thought that was so cute. And I'm, she's, it, everyone always says she's so good about like remembering people and being kind to everyone. I just thought that was a cute story. And then, you know, there was kind of this mystery around why they stopped creating music. And Sarah says, you know, we were doing really well and the record company didn't want us to stop and their parents didn't want them to stop either. But the teenagers that they were, they said, we don't want to do this anymore. 
anymore. And that they said that only came from them. They were the ones who sat down and said, we can't lie anymore. We can't pretend that we're having a great time. Slowly, the magazines are going to realize that we're not the same crazy, fun, happy teenagers that we were three years ago. And that's so self-reflective and self-aware of them that they kind of save themselves from a lot of the struggles that can come with being a child star. (laughs) But then it's so funny because one of them says this passive aggressive silent breakup. It's a really Swedish conflict avoiding way of dealing with it. (laughs) And then I loved it because Sarah then says, I love the thought of reuniting. I would say yes. If someone gave me a phone call and said, hey, we want a reunion tour. I'll be like, fuck yeah. And how hard would we go to an 18s revival tour? Oh my God. Like I would die. Kenzie's delirious. <laughs> I would lose my mind. So I also thought it was funny because this kind of touches on where the four members are today. And Sarah actually became a host in Sweden. But what they did not mention was that she's been working as a pole dancing instructor and is one of the founders of Flow, a pole dance studio based in Sweden. And in 2014, she won the Swedish championships in pole dance. And the reason I know this, and I like didn't need them to tell me this in the article, is because it was one of my original ideas for a podcast was spurred by this. I happened to see like some stupid BuzzFeed article or something that was like, what are these like teen stars doing now and it mentioned that Sarah was a pole dancing instructor and I was like all I want to do is be able to have a podcast where I can interview people like Sarah who've really pivoted their careers and see where they are now and talk to them and talk about the process of getting there and it really was sort of an impetus towards this podcast because I was like I want a podcast like that, but from the go, I'm not going to be able to get guests like that right away. And so maybe it'll come full circle one day because I would love to have Sarah on here. All right. I think we might have to skip. I think about this a lot today because we're already at 49 minutes. So I went in on 18s. Bailey can't have anything last longer than an hour. If something gets to an hour, she's like, okay, it's really too long now. I don't want to bore you guys. I know you just want to hear the legit shit, right? So I got a little smintzy one for you guys today. It's definitely a higher end item, but it's the cheapest Vitamix that is on the market. And it's the Vitamix Explorion E310. I got it for Christmas from my grandparents. And I actually texted my grandma the other day and I was like, I use it every day. And I I sent her a video of my smoothie. I make really bomb smoothies with it. If you want my recipe, reach out. I'll tell you it. It's very good. And I'm telling you, I'm not a big blender girl. I've always talked about my love of a hand blender so you don't have to clean a blender. But this one is just so easy and sleek and it works so well. It just blends it better than anything you can imagine. No hate to my hand blender. Still love that. Still perfect for a soup moment. But If you want a good blender, check this one out. It's linked in the show notes. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next week. Bye.